Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Looking for the truth and not worried about rattling some cages to get at it, this is The Roy Green Show. I don't mind rattling cages at all. I think sometimes the people inside the cages have rattles that they play with. Yvette sends an email to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Hi, Roy. Just emailed both Immigration Minister and Trudeau. If they get enough push, maybe their little brains will respond. Let's hope thousands of emails arrive to these politicians. Regard... She said useless. That's not so bad. Regards, Yvette. Send an email to Trudeau and to uh, Ahmed Hussein about the... About... Yeah, Alex and the other translators. William's in Toronto. How are you, William? Hello, Roy. Uh, the FBI was informed of uh, Mr. Cruz going to uh, shoot up uh, the, the, everyone in the school. His web page. Uh, that's right. Facebook, his Facebook said so as well. Uh, and no one did anything about it. Uh, and uh, the uh, armed school guard that was hired, along with the uh, police officer's deputy, they just stood outside. That's right. And this guy shoot everyone. So it's not a gun control thing in this situation. It's a failure by the system to react and stop this man. I, I get all of that. I get all of that. But the argument is, the question is, the, the position is from people who sometimes go just become so angry at that what happens and they see in front of them, they then consider everyone who wants to own a gun or has a firearm to be some sort of problem, whether you're a major problem or a minor problem, you're a, you're the problem. The gun is the problem. They don't want guns out there. So that's the question. Yeah, yeah the the uh, American Constitution has a Second Amendment. No, no, I get for that. Good reason. Yeah. And people need to be educated in what that reason is. It's for defense. It's not to go shooting people. But what do you say? What do you say to the person who's terrified right now? Terrified of guns. Terrified of the people who owns gun who own guns. Or just terrified. What do you say to them? I say buy a gun and defend yourself. The same analogy as when you fall off your bicycle, get right back on. Uh, Buy a gun, defend yourself, and get educated on how to use it and read that Second Amendment because America was built on the Bible and the gun. This was what made... Yeah, William, but we're in Canada. We don't have a Second Amendment. But we have an awfully long questionnaire to fill out if you want to want to even own a a firearm, a shotgun or a rifle. You're going to fill out a lot of questions. And if you've had a personal relationship break up in the last two years, you're going to have to provide the person you had the relationship with an 800 number. Let them know that, you're want, a, that you want a license to buy a firearm, or, or, or a rifle, or a shotgun. You have to make them aware of it. Give them an 800 number to call in case they want to object to you owning a firearm. There are some major hoops to jump through. Is that fair or not? Lots to talk about, 800-263-2428. Right back to your calls when we come back. You know you hit the big leagues when you're a guest on his show. This is the Roy Green Show. This is a country of openness and welcome. 
uh, and not a country uh, where that is in any way acceptable. And uh, uh, that is something we all need to remind ourselves of uh, today and every day, that we are better than this. What was that again? A country of openness and welcome? Aha. Uh-huh. And we need to do what? We need to do better than this. And this, in the instance that he was talking about, was the non-attack on the 11-year-old going to school in Toronto who did not have her hijab slashed. But our fearless leader was right there to uh, accuse us, all of us, of, uh, well, being a bunch of bigots. Mark is in Barrows, Manitoba. How are you, Mark? Good. Good, sir. Glad. Thanks for calling. Um, I'm a gun owner. Yes, sir. And I carry a 12-gauge pump when I go out to the Quonset because we have black bear issues. Right. I was pinned in the Quonset for over six hours because I did not have my gun with me. Scary. And the bear was over 800 pounds. A black bear, 800 pounds? Yeah. That's pretty big. That's more grizzly size. Well, yeah. And the only, and it was fall. So if you really think about it, he was doing one thing, and that was getting, you know, he's wanting to eat so that way he can start hibernating. Exactly, yeah. People don't understand that. I even tried to reason with the bear. <laughs> I had tools, I was banging, and he just sat there for a while. And I said, look, I'm not here to hurt you. And all he kept on looking at me as I'm a meal. Yeah. So let, let, let me get this straight. How far away was the bear from you? I'd say about six, seven feet. Holy I smokes. The, I just opened up the door and he was right there. So uh, the, the so door. I shut the door. Yeah. So I shut the door and had to sit there for six hours. So he so was on the he was on the other side of the door. Oh yeah. But he probably could have punched the door in pretty quickly if he oh, wanted to. He I don't care if it's a grizzly, a badger, a wolverine. They if they're confronting you within thirty feet, they can attack you without in any notice. So you have to carry a firearm with you. So, Mark, this was a very, very patient bear. Oh, yeah. Six hours. Well, both there, yeah. So how did it, I mean, did he just eventually wander off? Oh, yeah. He he would start wandering off, and then I called a dog, because we have a dog, and she was up at the house. But the dog... Finally, uh, when I whistled and screamed enough, she came running, saw it, and started giving a chase. But, you know, like, with being a gun owner, guns don't kill people. In this case, about the the states, I do. I feel sorry for that, what happened. But the, the, the federal, like the FBI, and stuff like that, they they got to screen their people more. You know, the FBI dropped the ball on that particular case. But your your argument is that you should be allowed to have a firearm because you need it to protect yourself 
And there's a, there was a question asked a few years ago on this show. Yep. We asked about how many people use, how often in a, in a calendar year, uh, firearms are used for self-defense in Canada against other humans. And I forget what the number was, but it was high enough that it quite startled me. Mark, thank you very much for the call. That's a big bear, 800 pounds. That is a big bear, and they're scary, and they're fast. We had uh, we had one come visit uh, in Quebec, and uh, it wasn't that big. It was maybe, I don't know, 200, 250, something like that. But uh, he was present, and uh, and I was out on the on the tractor, and I oh, look at this trees, and I'm thinking, what is that? Oh boy! So I uh, gunned the tractor, made as much noise as I could, went inside, and I called the um, the office des Eules, you know, the office of bears and. And it was wildlife people, and I asked them what to do. And the guy said, shoot the bear. I said, why should I shoot the bear? Well, he's threatening you. And I said, not really threatening me. He's, I can see him, but he, or could see him. I'm not going to kill him. So he lost interest. His advice to me was, shoot him. Well, no, I'm not going to shoot him. He hasn't done anything to me. He's just, he's just there. Anyhow. Uh, you choose it. We talk about it, whether it's Trudeau pipelines, whether it's Alex, the translator, politicians on, I think, just compromising the uh, the word hate and and causing problems for people by constantly suggesting that there's an element of our society that is made up of haters. And Patrick Brown, we want to talk about Patrick Brown being the potentially the leader of the progressive conservatives in Ontario. I didn't like Mr. Brown as the leader before the problem. The problem, I don't think he was fairly treated uh, at all. But do I want him see, to see him as the leader of the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario? Absolutely not. And that has nothing to do with what happened to him as far as the CTV story is concerned. I just don't think he's, I don't think he's conservative. Uh, Pat in Fort McMurray, Alberta. How are you doing in Fort McMurray, Pat? I'm doing wonderful. I'm just heading back after... Uh... Uh, my weekend with my family down in Olds, Alberta. So, yeah. how's the, uh, how's the how's the community? You know what? We're really real rebuilding. Uh, we just last weekend, uh, not this past weekend, but weekend before the long weekend, family weekend, we hosted the Alberta Winter Games, and we had uh, twenty three hundred uh, uh, youth come up to Fort McMurray and participate in winter sports, and it was a, a great great opportunity for the kids to see Fort McMurray and see what we've done up there. So you're you're rebuilding and uh, rebuilding nicely, and 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 people are comfortable being back in in their homes, and you're not really the beast. I guess the beast is always going to be in people's memories. It is. Um, it, it's in people's memories for sure. Uh, we're not completely rebuilt by any means, and all this uh, talk and uh, delays on pipeline are really hurting. Not just Alberta, not just Fort McMurray, but they're hurting Canada. They are. Uh, the Calgary Herald had an article last week, um, and I think it was uh, with the uh, uh, CIBC that we're leaving forty-five million dollar billion dollars on the table because of the cut rate while we're getting paid for our oil in Alberta. I think I think I saw I saw something yesterday or the day before. Uh, Scotia Bank's numbers were fifteen point that our economy. Had bled some fifteen point six billion dollars last year 
I, I, th I hope I have that number right. I think I do. But anyway, that's not why you called, is it? No, it's a massive amount of money. But what I called was, you know, I, I'll say right out front, I'm not a liberal, never have been a liberal. But, you know, when Trudeau got elected, I said, okay, four years, how much damage can he do to the country? And he'll be, he'll surround himself with some real smart people and his figurehead uh, puppet thing, he'll, he'll do what the smart people are saying. But this trip to India really proved that he has not any smart people around him and they've got his... There, there's not even a dog wiggling the tail. He's just a buffoon out there. You know, I was thinking about the fact that they pay Gerald Butts well over $300,000 a year. That, that's that's the guess. They won't tell you exactly, but I the, the, the chief advisor to Kathleen Wynne earns uh, over 300000 and there's some equity or some equality between salaries, between the chief advisor to a major province and the federal chief advisor or principal advisor to the prime minister. So he's got to be pulling down more than $300,000. What was he doing in all of this? Yeah, I'll take that job and advise him properly. Like, you don't, you, you wouldn't dress up like uh, one of the night or the uh, queen's uh, guards to meet the queen. There's, there's etiquette to meeting heads of state and having him greeted by an, uh, an agriculture minister when he got there should have set the tone that, hey, buddy, you're not following what's supposed to be going on in this country. Well, it was very clear, and it was uh, said by our guest yesterday, Shivam Vij, the uh, New Delhi journalist, that uh, the Indian government didn't want Trudeau there, and they certainly didn't want him for eight days, but he said the Canadian government insisted, and he said that nobody in the Indian government was fooled at all. They said he, they knew that the, uh, the trip was there to impress the uh, Indo-Canadian population here in order to get, get, generate votes. That's what he felt it was all about. And uh, uh, and I asked him whether Trudeau had in fact negatively affected the, uh, the, the relationship between India and Canada, and he said absolutely. Well, it was probably about the, that eight days was probably about the length of the school break. So he was just on a family vacation. Yeah, and they weren't eating out of cardboard boxes. Exactly. Hey, uh, thank you very much for the call, Pat. I hope everything goes wonderfully for your community. One of the things that we have to do is take advantage of our natural resources, get them to market, get money back pumped into our economies so that people can live according to the, the way they should be living in this country because we've worked hard for it and we have the right to it and we don't have people don't have just the right to say, you're not going to have it, we're not going to allow you to use it, uh, we're going to shut you down. We have to fight that. Well, I'd like to first end off by just thanking Canada's support of Fort McMurray when we were evacuated out of there. And uh, it really is a, a strong country that we have here. Um, but thank you, Canada, for helping out. And we will rebound, and we do need pipelines. Well said. Thank you, Pat. All the best to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Pat in Fort McMurray, Alberta. We're back after this. His bark is worse than his bite. This is the Roy Green Show. So I found the uh, the story about the Scotiabank economist saying that uh, our economy was hurt to the cost of $15.6 billion in 2017 because of the pipeline shortage. 
just a few lines from the story. Lack of pipelines and massive discounts for Canadian heavy oil could cost the economy $15.6 billion this year, or three-fourths of a point from the country's GDP, according to economists at Scotiabank. Quote, reliance on the existing pipeline network and rail shipments to bring Canadian oil to market has a demonstrable impact on Canada's well-being, with consequences that extend well beyond Alberta, Scotiabank Senior Vice President and Chief Economist Jean-François Perrault and commodity economist Rory Johnston wrote in report released Tuesday. The economists said the current roughly $24 U.S. per barrel discount between Western Canada Select and West Texas Intermediate Oil would erase $15.6 billion from the economy this year, or about 0.75% of the country's GDP. That, um, that's a lot of money. Because when we sell our oil to the United States now, they get it at a discount. We don't, we don't get the world price for the oil. The Americans get it at a discount. And we're arguing and fighting with each other about whether we want to take, get the oil and the gas to market. Rob is in Coburg, Ontario. How are you, Rob? I'm good, thank you. Yes, sir, that's good. Um, Thank you for having me on. I just want to say that I've emailed you a couple times and you've actually responded, which is uh, very impressive because I've never been uh, contacted back by any host. Um, I have a few things to say. Uh, 800-pound black bear... Um, I've been a hunter all my life, and I would say that that is a black bear that ate another black bear. Um, or maybe two of them. On the uh, gun issue, I'm uh, a legal multiple gun uh, owner uh, of uh, long guns. Um, now, in the States, obviously, there is hundreds of millions of pistols out there, and uh, people, I believe, have the right to defend themselves. Um, and if... Uh, they were going to use them for nefarious purposes, there would be a lot more deaths going on uh, in in the U.S., for sure. Um, As far as uh, the Trans Mountain Pipeline goes, I think the federal government needs to step in and tell the B.C. government that this is going to happen. We don't care what you think, because I think they have that power. And on the race card, oh, let me talk about the translators. <laughs> they should be brought to Canada expeditiously with their families uh, included, because I'm sure they've saved Canadian soldiers' lives, um, certainly injuries, um, and, I, and I bet you they feel abandoned, and I find it reprehensible. Um, uh, back to the government using the race card, I believe they do that when they don't have uh, any coherent argument to uh, uh, um, go against uh, whoever is uh, um, saying whatever they're saying. So. I agree. They they throw the race card, or they use the race card, they throw the racist accusation your way because it's designed to shut you up. Exactly. It's a, it, most people find it difficult to respond to being called a racist. You shouldn't because you're not. And just turn it around on the people who are using it against you. Don't let them intimidate you. That's, that's the most important thing. We cannot allow ourselves to be intimidated by people who apply for jobs, apply to us for jobs, to manage uh, uh, pragmatically our, our, our economies and our 
social programs and our tax systems and our health care systems. We, we, we hire these people and then they turn around and they insult us. That's not the way it works. Just remind them that they too can be fired even though they've written themselves a beautiful parachute by in, you know, through their pension. But they too can be fired and we should, we should exercise that option. I uh, will be emailing, um, um, and that, I guess, is about all I have to say, and I thank you for your time today. Okay, before you go, Rob, just quickly, I'll bet you if I was sitting in a Quonset hut and there was a big black bear on the other side of the door six or seven feet away from me, he'd look 800 pounds to me, too. <laughs> I guess he would. <laughs> right on. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, they <laughs> Yeah, a buddy of mine said uh, he was was walking away from his house, and uh, I live very rurally in Quebec, and a lot of bears around. And uh, he's lived there all his life, and he's a he's a logger, so he's you know, he's an outdoorsman. And he saw this black bear, and he just started walking toward it. He said, "I don't know why I did it, but I started walking toward it." He said, "Now usually they take off." He said the ground kind of dipped away in front of him, so he ended up going down. He couldn't see the bear anymore. And when he came up on the other side, he said, I didn't realize how much ground I'd covered when I was out of the bear's vision and he was out of my vision. He said, and then suddenly there I was on the uh, level ground again with the bear. And now the bear's like really close. And he said, the first thought in my mind was, this was really stupid. And he said, the house, our house was now so far away that I couldn't have a chance of getting to the house before the bear got to me if the bear decided to get to me. So he said, I just stood perfectly still and stared at it. He said it was like a gunfight movie. Two guys, you know, all we needed was the, the six guns and the Stetsons. And the bear stared at him and Chris stared at the bear. And eventually the bear said, this is no fun, and left. So uh, I, my, my friend, my, Tris, said to me, my knees were shaking when the bear left. So if you see them, they go right, you go left. And they are fast. But 800 pounds? I guess they look that big if they're on the other side of the door. We'll come back and wrap things up after this. <laughs> 